Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of M365 Voice. I'm Antonio Mayo, and we have Sarah. Sarah Hasi. And I am Mike Madarani. And today we've got another special guest. We've got Bill Bayer from Microsoft, Senior Product Manager, responsible for Microsoft Search. Hi, Bill. Welcome to our podcast. Hi, how's it going? Glad to be here. Really good. First, I wanted to congratulate you on 15 years at Microsoft. We saw that tweet come out. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I I came to the company along with the Xbox 360. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually was once working in the building where they tested Xbox uh, games and they had a wicked setup. So that's not a bad thing necessarily. Um, but uh, yeah, we wanted to give you a chance today to talk a little bit about Microsoft Search. Uh, we know there's some great announcements at Ignite. Um, so maybe I wanted to start off by asking you, um, with so all the new announcements that came out, so there, there's a number of them that came out that sound really meaningful, which is um, which is the one that you're most proud of? What, what, what do you think is the most significant of those announcements? Oh, wow, I got to choose my favorite child. You put me on the spot with the very first question. Um, if I'm trying to answer this without... Uh, without having any of my PMs hate me. <laughs> um, so if, if, I, if I had to pick something, something one of my favorites, at least in respect to, to what we're doing um, with, with Microsoft Search, I would say one of the things that fascinates me the most would uh, probably be our, our vision of really putting people at the center of search. Um, we had a number of announcements from the ability to, uh, from the upcoming ability to discover expertise, to finding insights and answers through people. Um, so the people component is, is, a, is a big fascination of mine. And the reason I say that is um, I'm gonna try to create an analogy and I'm never good at these. So but you can imagine um, traditional search, like uh, you know, search in the past, what you would kind of think about from an enterprise search perspective. Um, I like to kind of liken that to having a puzzle. And if you think about the way that, that all of us build puzzles um, and the way that we're taught from early on is we open one end of the box and we dump the puzzle on a table and then we identify all of the straight edges and the right angles, and we kind of set those aside. And then anything that isn't a right angle or a straight edge, we set to the other side. And the very first thing that we do is we kind of look at those, those right angles, those straight edges, and we put together this frame. And if you think about what you know a puzzle represents is the, the content of a puzzle, the idea, the thing we're trying to create isn't necessarily the frame, it's actually the center of the puzzle. So, you know, using that analogy, I like to think of the outer edges of a puzzle as being representative of information, all of those right angles and straight edges. I like to think of the core of the puzzle, the thing we're really trying to understand when we build a puzzle as being representative of a person. So, you know, using all that, you know, a traditional enterprise search experience, you're working from the edges inward, from the information inward towards the person. And it's the people inside of an organization, you know, the most valuable asset. We create information, we create knowledge, we create answers. So the work that we're doing with Microsoft Search is, you know, we looked at that and said, you know what, 
what if we threw away the box? What if we asked you, you know, to build a puzzle, but didn't give you the box for reference? And, you know, using that analogy, that's where we started our investments in, in this concept of people search, working your way from inward outward towards the edges from the individual to the information. And, you know, that's kind of what I find, you know, most powerful, you know, particularly, you know, in, in these times where a lot of us, many of us, 99.9% .9 of us are probably relegated to remote work. Um, it's, you know, it's really facilitating a need. Search has become the digital water cooler, effectively kind of the proxy, um, you know, for those conversations that we used to have in what at the time seemed like benign hallway chats when we would walk by somebody and I would say, hey, Sarah, what are you working on today? And, you know, and then I could use that to learn and to grow. But, you know, we don't have those same opportunities. So that's probably why, you know, that most fascinates me, um, you know, from from a announcement perspective. That was a really long answer to a short question. No, that was that was fabulous. <laughs> I have a million questions about that, but I'm going to let let, uh, I'm so jumping right into the middle of that because, Bill, um, you hit on something and I'm going to actually try and draw a segue line and you can tell me if I got this wrong. But to me, when you're talking about working with people and working from the inside out, yeah. user intent is a big thing. And yeah. I was reading through some of your blog posts yesterday and this idea of user intent of what a user, the information that they're looking for may not be word for word reflected in what they type into anything into yep. any search box. And yep. I call it, of course, librarian training comes back to me, but it's the <laughs> reference desk librarian problem because somebody yep. might come in and ask for one thing when what they want is something else, but they're trying to translate their need into something that is a magical set of words that will get them the response that they want. And when I was looking at Microsoft Search and even you know answers and bookmarks and things like that, a lot of it reflected this desire that we need to connect between what their intent is and what the actual answer is. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I, I like the I like the um, the library analogy. Um, sadly, I'm old enough to remember card catalogs and the Dewey Decimal System and opening a pine box and <laughs> trying to find a book. Um, people have it easy these days. But yeah, I think I think that's that's actually a, a great analogy. And you know, in respect to answers, you know, really. Really, the way that we look at answers is is for those listeners that um, have kind of grown with search from its you know SharePoint days to Microsoft Search. You you probably remember Best Bets when we introduced those in 2010, mm -hmm. and then effectively Best Bets kind of became a query or a a component of query rules um, as promoted results. And the idea behind those was to not necessarily arbitrarily influence search results but to promote something higher than the ranked results. And that's kind of the intent of Q&As and bookmarks. And the way I describe the difference between when, because I get a lot of questions about when should I create a bookmark, when should I create an answer? And, um, you know, a bookmark, the way to think about bookmarks is when the user's query is expressed as a set of keywords, then a bookmark is the best possible solution. When the user query is expressed as a question, then a Q&A answer is the best you know, possible solution for that scenario. So it's kind of like Contoso Mark 8 would be a bookmark. Um, what is the Contoso Mark 8 would be a Q&A type answer. And that's kind of the way that we differentiate the answers. Um, 
And really the answers are powerful because if you it, kind of coming back to the 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 old enterprise search um, idea of relevance tuning um, in the past uh, with a lot of enterprise search experiences, there's been a lot of opportunity to kind of arbitrarily influence relevance by by tuning it and, and kind of messing around with the ranking. Um, the problem with that is you as an administrator, you're really sacrificing the needs of the individual for the good of the greater um, when you arbitrarily kind of you know play with relevance tuning. To us, the way that we think about relevance is we determine relevance via the graph. So we leverage the global perspective of the graph um, to to <clears throat> determine relevance. We also use it for personalization. Mm -hmm. And you know, just like Delve did, we look at the signals between anchors and objects, and then, um, and if you think about what a signal is, um, for some of the listeners that are, you know, just trying to rationalize all of this, um, a signal is basically an event that captures user behavior, and that event could be either active, it could be passive, and we use it to power a ton of of end user facing experiences. And in fact, with like search, we use over um, 300 or 200 signals, my apologies, um, to, to create kind of high value personalized results and ranking. And then we allow you to promote um, specific high value content via these editorial Q&A or editorial answers, bookmarks, Q&As, acronyms, um, locations, floor plans. And those are kind of the editorial answers. And then on the flip side, we also have a different set of answers, file answers, people answers, calendar right. answers, depending on the context, the user job. Um, but, you know, really user intent is, is, you know, important to us. We want search to evolve beyond this utilitarian value that it's perceived to provide and really create like this, this ego expressive experience, turn this into a productivity tool because we recognize that you know, nobody wants to look at a list of blue links anymore. Um, right. You know, people are seeking knowledge and answers, not just data. And the, sorry, this is where I'm going to get into 27 sub-questions, but I'll, I'll limit myself to one. Um, but the personalization involved, right? Because I was actually looking at, um, compared to promoted links, right, from a yeah. classic search perspective, bookmarks today, you can make specific to a time schedule, to a geographic region, a security group. Yep. all of many other things and so you can really personalize the search experience to be able to lean on the graph to be able to provide even more timely search results that automatically um not necessarily exclude but hone in on those particular personalization factors yeah absolutely um and, and you you absolutely nailed it right there i think that you know on on the surface when you look at bookmarks um as as one of the answers that we provide as an editorial answer there's, you know, at first impression, they don't seem, you know, powerful, um, predominantly because they're just so easy to create. Um, but, you know, you know, you, you really spoke to it there that that bookmarks, you know, aren't just a, a mechanism to to promote something above ranked results. Um, you can incorporate um, power apps into a bookmark. So for everybody who's a huge fan of Power Platform, if you have a time off app, and um, you can embed that app using its app ID in a bookmark and then assign a set of keywords and reserved keywords to the bookmark. So when somebody searches for time off or PTO or vacation, instead of having to navigate out of the search context and switch to another application, they can complete their task via search. And that kind of comes back to this idea that I talked about where we want search to really become you know, a productivity tool 
as well as you know delivering great personalized results. Um, and then from a personalization perspective, I know I brought up Delve. So everybody always asks kind of what's the relationship between Microsoft Graph and Office Graph? See, I'm asking myself a question. This is so odd. <laughs> now, now I feel awkward. Go ahead and answer. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, the way the way I kind of describe it is, is the Microsoft Graph and Office Graph are, are very different things, um, despite having similar names. If you think about what the Office Graph represents, it's an API endpoint and it surfaces all of Microsoft 365's data, Azure Active Directory, Exchange, SharePoint, Excel, you name it. And then on the other hand, the thing everybody remembers is the Office Graph, um, and particularly because of its relationship to Delve uh, is where a lot of people gained familiarity. It's mostly um, a code name for a collective set of services and insights that, that we generate on top of the infrastructure that our fast Office Graph group developed. Um, and, you know, sometimes in our documentation, admittedly, we clumsily refer to some of our REST APIs as the Office Graph APIs when they provide insights to um, that aren't exposed through other established APIs. Um, so, you know, a great example of if you go out to Graph Explorer, you'll see a set of insights APIs that expose relationships generated by Office Graph services. So, you know, there's, there's a little bit of it is, um, uh, you know, Unintentional, like I said, we, we clumsily refer to some of our APIs, you know, as Office Graph APIs, even though they're relationships, Microsoft Graph. But anywho, um, I kind of went on a little bit of a tirade there, so I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry to interrupt you there, but um, so, so do I understand right then? Well, sorry, I'm going to ask the question. In that particular example you give about the Office Graph, is that just a um, a misnomer in the documentation, or is the Office Graph still alive and well and used in the case that you mentioned? Oh no, the Office Graph is is very much still alive and well. Um, so it it powers a number of experiences across um, Microsoft 365. The social Intel, a lot of the social Intel concepts that you'll find, whether you know that's SharePoint Home, yeah. um, obviously Delve, Discover View. Um, so, you know, I was kind of, you know, throwing that one out there in case, you know, our OneDrive, throw, throw some uh, love at OneDrive there, you know, with DiscoverView um, and obviously SharePoint Home. And, and like I said, a lot of those, those social intel concepts are um, derivatives of Office Graph. Office Graph, not Microsoft Graph. Yeah, okay. so, um, but, you know, the, uh, at, the, at the same time, you know, we leverage all of these signals to, you know, create you know, a great personalized search experience. Um, and again, to allow, you know, the searcher to be more expressive um, because the, the way, you know, I think of Microsoft Search and the way that we're evolving, particularly um, one of the announcements, kind of a re-announcement, and we're making progress is with um, what we call Turing NLG, um, which is a, a model that we use for, um, it's a transformer-based generative language model meaning that it can create summaries based on content and documents to respond to a searcher's question. Um, it can finish incomplete sentences, for example. Um, so, and it also provides um, semantic um, search on top of Microsoft Search. Places where you can see Turing technology at work today is the key points or at a glance view in OneDrive and SharePoint. When you hover over a document and you get the document summary and time to read, that's based on our, our Turing technologies. 
And really what Turing is going to bring to Microsoft Search in the future is if you think about search today, if you search for what wine pairs best with salmon, you'll either get results for wine, salmon, or no results at all. Um, right. What Turing technology does is it understands your intent and it'll answer your question, um, you know, either by helping complete a sentence or by pulling a summary from a document somewhere. Um, and, you know, we use the Turing model is a 17 billion parameter model. Um, we trained it against the Stanford or tested it against the Stanford squad data set, which is a standard question and answering data set. And basically what that is, is it's, it's excerpts from Wikipedia articles that have been crowdsourced to which individuals were um, asked to read a document or read an article and then create some summaries if I had to kind of distill it down. And then what we do is, is we try to determine whether or not our machine learning models are intelligent enough to respond with human parity. And, and Turing is one of the ones that um, you know, was able to meet human parity. So we can extract text from documents and actually respond as if a human were responding to you. So it's, it's super cool and interesting technology. Um, it's based on our 100 billion parameter open source deep speed um, AI model. So if you search for deep speed, you can go out and read all about. Um, I love the names. Deep speed. Yeah, so <laughs> a lot of, lot of uh, creative uh, code names out there. So I know Antonio and I have gotten um, uh, 20 questions in, Mike. Yes, I'm trying to jump in here. I know. <laughs> so I, uh, first thing, I love the way it's framed uh, with search that we're looking for, it's about answers. So we yep. have a lot of different answers. This is exactly what everyone, especially in remote working conditions, mm -hmm. I am, I have maybe uploaded a file, someone had uploaded a file, I did that conversation with someone through Teams, through chat, through whatever, mm -hmm. But I'm looking for that answer. I don't remember if it was my content. I can probably find it easier if somebody else's content is going to take me a while. So looking for that framing it, that looking for that answer is really, really awesome. And how we can personalize the results and having bookmarks and Q&A and everything is so good. But yeah. you know what? Give us a little bit. We want more. Yeah. Uh, we want to personalize it a lot more than what you give us. We have the <laughs> opportunity to personalize those results a lot more from you know, coming from the enterprise search in, in SharePoint and how, how we've done a lot of customizations in those search results. Do we yeah. have the same opportunity to do the same thing? I know there was some announcement about that as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, one thing one thing that isn't lost on us is our legacy. Um, if you kind of think about the evolution of Microsoft Search, it was born out of the need to deliver a coherent search experience across Microsoft 365 and other apps and services. Because, you know, to be honest, we had a lot of fragmented um, search solutions across the company. Um, if you in the past and, and, and Antonio, Sarah and Mike, you're, you're intimately familiar with this challenge is if you were looking for files and sites, you'd search in SharePoint. But now you're looking for an email conversation that perhaps um, was the impetus for the creation of that file or that site. So you'd have to search in Outlook. And then, you know, there might be a Yammer conversation associated with that as well, or Teams chat. So you would search in all of these disparate data islands to try to put together this information puzzle. And, you know, the idea behind Microsoft Search um, about three years ago was we really need a cohesive search strategy that spans our apps and services. So people can search once and find what they need, regardless of where they opt to search. Um, over the last two years or so, we've really been working to nail down the fundamentals. And this past Ignite, 
Um, you know, the announcements we made there, all of that 23 pages of blog that is shipping between now and the end of this calendar year are, you know, that's indicative of the fact that, okay, we've nailed the fundamentals. Now let's start bringing search everywhere. And that's Teams was a big announcement, the, the new modern SERP um, that will be brought to Teams um, inclusive of results across services. But, um, you know, to your question, Mike, um, personalization, one of the key headlines, you know, that, that, I, that I was writing at the time was, you know, we want you to be able to make search uniquely yours. We recognize that we brought with us a legacy from Fast, um, from SharePoint, from on-premises to online SharePoint search. We gave you a wealth of toggles and switches and knobs. It looked like the cockpit of a 747 when you went in the admin center. But, um, but you know, fortunately, that's not lost on us. So, you know, as part of moving and shifting services to Microsoft Search, we're identifying, you know, controls that may be duplicative and retiring those um, controls and and features that, that may not, um, you know, provide value anymore. For example, promoted results, we have bookmarks, um, which are far mm -hmm. more powerful. So, you know, we replace those. And then some of the old concepts will retire. Some of them don't even work, but there's still an admin control for them. Um, but we are investing in, in more flexibility. So, um, you know, if, if you want to take kind of the pro dev turnkey nuts and bolts route, we have um, a, a universal search API in the Microsoft graph that allows you to reason across um, our entities. Um, you, can, you, you, you can look up the Microsoft search API. We've got a bunch of GitHub repos. Um, that uh, we had, um, you know, one of our partners, Salliance, um, developed a lot of solutions, sample solutions using our universal search API to help kind of, you know, help customers along. We have an ingestion and indexing API if you wanted to build your own graph connector. And then kind of moving over to SharePoint, um, you know, a couple of things we're investing in is, is one, um, you know, we're, we're heavily at work on, on PNP Modern Search. Um, we update that quite frequently. We want to enable you to do a lot of the creative UX customization, custom results pages, web parts um, to kind of, you know, brand theme and kind of make search look and feel the way you want it to feel. On top of that, we're also introducing custom verticals um, and filters, refiners, scoping controls. So, you know, for those customers that that really want to recreate the, the, uh, the faceted search concept, you know, that's definitely going to be, you know, one of those things that you'll be able to take advantage of. So you can create like custom results based on SharePoint or OneDrive content. And then you can use our search layout designer, um, you know, to effectively like a WYSIWYG editor um, to drop the elements where you want them to be on the page and the properties and, and kind of make the results page look the way you want. Generate the JSON, yep. you know, paste it into your result type and you're good to go. Um, again, um, you know, refiners and filters, um, we're going to improve those, but also allow a lot of flexibility in, you know, enabling you to to instrument those on your own. So a lot of the things that you used to do in SharePoint, we're going to bring along with us um, as part of that, because even though the, the, the kind of core idea behind Microsoft Search is coherence, at the same time, we recognize people use search in different ways. You have organizations who have a well-established intranet um, built around, you know, a set of governance controls, um, a very clean architecture, 
And, you know, they want to build search into that, you know, intranet scenario. So, you know, that's why a lot of the SharePoint capabilities are going to come along with Microsoft Search for that particular endpoint. Then you have other people who live and live their day in Teams. So we want to make sure that, that they're well taken care of with Microsoft Search. Um, but then the awesome part is, Mike, is not only are we investing in all of this cool customization, we're also investing in, in, in what we call our shared SERP, or our shared search engine results page. So if you're not familiar with Microsoft Search, today you probably know, and if you don't, you can try it out. Search for something like, uh, you know, Contoso in SharePoint, and then search for Contoso in office.com, and then search for Contoso in Bing, as an example. You're gonna get the same search results across all three of those. However, um, the search engine results page, you know, let's kind of put it into SharePoint terminology, your results page, results.aspx, yeah. looks fundamentally different across those three endpoints. Mm -hmm. We want to address kind of the jarring differences between them. So our investment in shared SERP means that customizations that you apply to SharePoint will automatically become available in office.com and oh, Bing as well. Really? Yeah, that's, so. cool. that's cool. So that's going to be it. that's going to be a cool piece of work. So um, develop once and then um, it just you know transitions everywhere. So can I tell you that that's a, that's a huge thing. But mm. in something that you were just saying when you talked about increasing or um, augmenting the natural search capability of Microsoft Teams, one of the coolest demos that I saw at Ignite and it was a search session was they went into an org wide team, they mm -hmm. did a search. And then they did a control F on the search results and did a search for a specific word within the org wide team thread of messages right. yep. to be able to find the specific message in that long string of persistent message messages. Incredible demo. I loved it. It was like 30 seconds of greatness. Yeah, contextual contextual search. Um, that's uh, that was uh, one of our one of our um, ignite announcements. Um, you know, we had a couple around um, teams specifically contextual search being one. Control F is so powerful, um, but you know, and then when you combine Control F with the new full page um, results page that's coming to Teams, and then it's going to be inclusive of more content from across Microsoft 365, it's going to be awesome. And then of course in um, Outlook, uh, more natural language. So you know, surprisingly, we see an inordinate number of people that are still using the from colon. <laughs> you know, search, which is like 90% of searches that come into Outlook from Colin. And, um, you know, coming to Outlook search is going to be uh, more natural language innovation. So even on your desktop, you can say, show me email from Sarah with attachments on Q4 earnings. And I can get those results. Or yep. when is my next meeting with Mike? or when is my next one-on-one -on -one with Antonio? Um, so, you know, really one of the key things we're trying to do is, is kind of usher, usher people along, um, you know, to the world of natural language, the idea that search speaks your language. Um, and then, you know, as, as we kind of progress into next year, some of the cool stuff that's coming is custom bot answers too. So, you know, for everybody who loves the bot framework and, and you really kind of want to turn search into this, you know, bi-directional conversational awesome thing, that's, you know, on our on our uh, list of work items as well. Cool. So, you know, despite the 23 pages, we've still got a hefty backlog of cool stuff coming to search. <laughs> I smiled when you said the front colon 
because I did that a couple of times today. So um, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to jump in with a couple of questions. Um, yeah. Maybe a little more specific on the um, on the blog post. So one area that me was uh, image search. Yeah. So happy to see that there. I thought that was really cool. Um, I've worked on solutions or with solutions like that in the past. And I'm wondering, um, you know, when I read it, I thought about um, in the past, I've taken images. I've run them through computer vision and Azure Cognitive Services. It'll spit out keywords and a textual description of the image. Is what you have announced with image search kind of the reverse, where you're already developing keywords or a description of the image, and then when I go search, it's bringing back images that might match what I type in, or is it different? No, I would say I would say that that you framed it nicely. Um, you know, we call it. We well, you know, pre-ignite and internally we we kind of refer to it as AI enriched image search. And okay. and you know, from a fundamentals perspective, it really aligns, you know, to to what you had kind of expressed as the latter part of that, working in the opposite direction. So as much as you know, our your ability to find knowledge and answers through people is, you know, the the reverse of traditional, you know, search, finding, you know, information and then finding people. Very similarly with image search, it's kind of working your way back to front, um, right to left. So um, image search is uh, one of the investments that we talked about that's targeted for release, um, hopefully by end of calendar year, along with conversation search. So if you're searching in SharePoint or office.com or in Bing, um, wherever you opt to search from, you're going to get Teams chats, you're going to get Outlook groups conversations, you're going to get Yammer conversations all in context. Um, and that's the important part is context, because now um, when you're putting together a project and you need all of these assets, um, and that's this idea the search is going to be more than data, knowledge and answers, um, you know, there's going to be files that you need, and there's going to be images that you want to use, and there's going to be conversations that are trending around, and we're going to pull all that together um, you know, in, into, you know, one search box to rule them all. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, even better is, you know, if you've seen some of the in-app search announcements as well. So Microsoft Search powers cool things like Smart Find in Word um, to where inside of documents, in document search. Um, uh, another example is reuse slides. Mm -hmm. um, so, or um, even, uh, you know, you have stuff that search augmented like uh, designer, you know, power in, you know, a lot of the AI capabilities that you find are derivatives of the work that we're doing with search, even syntax um, drafts on top of Microsoft search. Um, so, you know, you can think about search as providing this, this, this layer, um, you know, to power um, experiences across Microsoft. Uh, I'm trying to describe it in a better way with an analogy, but I said I'm really bad at them. But, you know, Microsoft search, you know, to all of these other things is like SQL was to SharePoint. Yeah. Probably you know, probably a bad analogy. Can't connect to config DB. <laughs> a, a bit of feedback I would give you is around bookmarks mm -hmm. and the connect to a power app. I don't think that you guys promote that enough because that is a super cool experience. That yeah. goes beyond what people normally think of as a search capability, right? Like being able to, like you said, look for time off and have that little form come up right in the context of your result is brilliant. I think you guys should let more people know that you can do that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we uh, <laughs> I don't think we uh, you know necessarily did enough to really uh, uh, you know uh, evangelize 
um, you know, some of what you can do with some of the search answers. Um, acronyms, you know, are another great answer. Um, and, you know, we've started to line those across Word um, in-app acronyms versus, you know, Microsoft Search. So you get the same acronym answers. But, you know, a lot of people don't realize we also mine answers from, from email and from documents, um, acronym answers. And, um, you know, over the course of time, bookmarks, you know, similarly. But, yeah, but the, the Power Apps thing, you know, I tweeted about it once and I was surprised to see, you know, so many responses that said, I did not know that. I did not know that I could embed a Power App in a search answer. Yeah. And, you know, and then coming back to what Sarah had talked about, um, not only can you embed a Power App in a search answer, but then you can target that bookmark with its embedded Power App to a specific audience based on device, OS, uh, region, uh, security group. Uh, I gotta tell you, yeah. I love that because as soon yeah. as I was reading about that, and I'm like, oh my gosh! So finally, Android and iOS specific search results based on uh, the type of device that you're actually using or targeted, and like the opportunities are endless. Yeah, I mean, you could think about you could think about you know today today with its 115 million daily active users, it's hard to find somebody who doesn't know how to get Teams or what Teams is, but. Um, but if you think about it, if, if you're an organization and you have a, a blend of, of users, um, people on Macs, people on PCs, people on Android, people on iOS, and let's say, you know, you, you started adopting Teams, um, you know, as your communications platform. Mm -hmm. um, and when they search for how, you know, how to install Teams or Microsoft Teams, based on the device context, you could present them the right bookmark and take them to the right download to the place to play or to the app store. And then you don't have to worry about creating confusion. So when somebody's on a PC, you can take them, you know, right to the team's download specific to their device based on where they searched from. There's so many things that you can do, um, you know, with answers in search to help supplement, you know, the native ranking that we do, you know, with, with our NNL rankers um, via graph. So Mike or Sarah, I'll let you guys get in if you've got any more questions. Um, before I'm looking at the time, I'm like, I want to squeeze an, a, a question here. Um, what's the uh, what's the plan for the SharePoint uh, Enterprise Search Admin Center? Mm -hmm. Is is this gonna stay for a while? Is it gonna be slowly moved into the Microsoft Search with some of the capability? Everything I know, we've actually we're gonna replace some of the features with with the new one for Microsoft Search, but What's yeah, the yeah, this is a long tail project um, that we're working on as we bring um, apps and services and related components to to our Microsoft Search infrastructure. So over the course of time, we're transitioning um, a lot of the the SharePoint search settings that were previously available in the um, SharePoint Admin Center to the Microsoft Search Admin Center, which if people haven't noticed is now the Search and Intelligence Admin Center. Um, so you can go to settings, you can find Search and Intelligence there, or you can go to the dedicated Admin Center. <clears throat> We're gonna bring a lot of the SharePoint search settings with us. Um, some of us, some of those will retire. Um, an example of something will retire is um, spelling suggestions in, in, my, in SharePoint search. So you used to have the ability to create custom dictionaries, inclusion and exclusion um, dictionaries um, with with uh, SharePoint search. 
that's going to be one that's going to be replaced. So we're going to move to a speller, um, a, gra a graph driven speller, um, which automatically is able to pick up on new on on language nuances. Um, I almost created a neologism there and made up my own word, but um, but you know basically basically uh, we'll transition stuff like that to much as we did with relevance tuning and you know we we look to the graph to to be the the facilitator of relevance tuning for stuff like spelling suggestions we'll do the same thing we'll look to technology that can do it better that can continuously learn and adapt to individual user behavior collaborative patterns and whatnot um, and then you know settings like promoted results will transition to bookmarks. And then there's just some settings that are gonna be legacy. Don't bring along with us, largely because they really don't serve a purpose, um, you know, any longer in a, in a modern search world. But, um, you know, one day you will do all of your search administration through the Search and Intelligence Admin Center. And we'll retire the SharePoint Search um, Admin Center um that you know it's going to take time um there's a lot of legacy we brought with us with sharepoint search not only you know the settings that you have in sharepoint online but some of those were even brought from sharepoint on-prem exactly. so you know it's a matter of inventorying and then we really want to be cognizant of doing thing for you um it could you know we don't want to take kind of the broad brush approach of just retiring everything and saying new stuff is coming. Uh, we wanna give you the flexibility to, to continue to use both while we identify the best possible path forward. Um, you know, so when we do introduce something, we wanna make sure that it's as good, if not better, and again, coming back to like bookmarks versus promoted results as what you had. But you know, a short answer to your question is, yes, it's, it's over the course of time, you will do all of your search administration across all of your Microsoft 365 apps and services via one search console and then and then microsoft search will continue to grow and incorporate more and more results we have connectors today um, so you can use our graph connectors to uh, ingest data into microsoft search um, but even you know cooler stuff longer term down the road is uh, federation with um, azure cognitive search so you can bring those results into microsoft search so now all your ACS data, um, you know, that, that you've been developing over the years, you can allow people to surface it in their Microsoft 365 productivity apps. That's amazing. So that's going to be super cool. It's going to pull things together, you know, in, in such a clean way to where you can just search for stuff everywhere. And then the other thing coming too by the end of the year is the Power BI search vertical. So you can find all your Power BI artifacts via, you know, Microsoft Search as well. And then Dynamics answers are coming. Um, so we're we're really trying to, you know, pull together, um, you know, all of you know these these ecosystems of data that we have into a single search box, so you can reason across them. And then one announcement, you know, I'm going to throw out there, um, and uh, you know, this time I didn't ask myself a question. Instead, I asked myself to make a statement is if you're not a subscriber to Microsoft 365, we also announced a standalone version of Microsoft Search. What is that, in a nutshell, what does that mean, a standalone version of Microsoft 365 Search if you don't have an M365 subscription? So, uh, so Microsoft Search is integrated 
natively with Microsoft 365. So if you're a subscriber of Microsoft 365, you mm -hmm. get Microsoft Search complimentary to your subscription. Uh, Microsoft Search, what we call our standalone search experience, is for those customers who don't have 365. And basically the way it works is um, you can, um, you can, you can um, well, today it's in preview, but you can basically implement this standalone Microsoft Search service, use our graph connectors, and ingest data into the graph, much like you can with our graph connectors for Microsoft Search and Microsoft 365. What we do is when you when you use our standalone service, we'll provision identities for you via AAD. So that's kind of your identity. And then you can use graph connectors to ingest information. And then you can search across your data using a variety of our different search canvases. So the Windows 10 search box um, will surface up all the data that you're ingesting. Bing will surface it up. The new version of Edge via the new tab page will surface it up in NTP and even office.com. So basically it's intended for those customers that may have the, the majority, if not all of their data in some other productivity solution or productivity suite. And they don't have any intent on migrating to Microsoft 365 or mm -hmm. becoming a Microsoft 365 subscriber. But we wanna give you the power of Microsoft Search um, as well. Um, so there's, there's a preview link out there. I encourage people to read the blog that may not 365 subscribers. That's the important qualifier uh, that uh, you can go out there and, and check that out and sign up to uh, participate in a preview. That's, cool. That's amazing. And and Sarah, I jumped into the question there, but I meant to ask you if you had a final question for Bill. I don't actually. I think that we covered an yeah. awful lot of ground. And and Bill's, um, you say a lot that you're not good at analogies. I think you use some yeah. like. $30 words there um, yeah. at several points in time and colorful analogies. So I feel like we've done a good job of covering a pretty wide spread about Microsoft Search. Absolutely. Well, Bill, let me thank you for your time today and joining us. This has been great to talk to you about Microsoft Search. Um, any final words from you? No, no, I, I really, I really appreciate the opportunity. And, you know, um, you know, Search is uh, super exciting to me. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's it's powerful. Um, you know, the humble search box is is becoming, you know, so much more than mm -hmm. than it had kind of at first impression when you think about you know a search box. And um, you know, it's been really fun uh, working on it, evolving it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I think uh, I and I, I credit a lot of it. You know, having spent so much time with SharePoint and. Um, you know, understanding, you know, the, the rate of innovation and, you know, how how we can improve product and, and really being uh, one of the key things is really being customer obsessed. Um, so, you know, I absolutely enjoy hearing from, um, you know, people that are using Microsoft Search. And um, I, it's awesome if you find Microsoft Search awesome. But what's even better for me is if you hate it. Because I would, I would love to understand why. That's that's those are those data points that that really help us improve. And um, it's it's great. We have a we have an absolutely committed team um, across the company dedicated to Microsoft Search that um, really wants to make it just great. Um, you know, regardless of where you're searching. But you know, all of that said, I've I've kind of paid enough compliments to. Uh, to search, but uh, I really, I really enjoyed, you know, being able to spend at least my afternoon. Um, and I must like uh, 
you, Mike, and Sarah, and Antonio a lot because the sun is shining, um, which is unusual in late October <laughs> it in is. the Seattle area. And I and I chose to be here with you. That's <laughs> well, thank you. So great. Thank you again, Bill. We really appreciate your time and getting to see you again. Um, and uh, thanks everyone for tuning in and listening. We'll see you again yeah. soon. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Maybe one day we'll do a search conference in Vegas. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. In, that. in person. <laughs> Ten people will show up. Yeah. <laughs> good seeing you, though. Thank you. Yep, good seeing you. Good seeing your faces again. You too. Thanks. Bye. Yep. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Bye.